Listener Production. Welcome to the Motorsport Brief. It's Wednesday, the 12th of July, 2023. A bit to cover off today with that awesome overnight news that Daniel Ricciardo is back in a race seat in Formula One. More on that soon. And the breakthrough for Ford in the Supercars event in Townsville last weekend, that will be the focus of today's pod. G'day everybody, Greg Rust with you for this edition of the Rusty's Garage Shortcast. Our 99th long form or feature ep dropped yesterday. A huge thanks to Extreme E superstar Molly Taylor, our first ever guest on The Garage back in 2018, returns for a well overdue follow-up. That two-parter, the next chapter as we're calling it, on this leading light for women in motorsport is there for you to enjoy right now. And it's not just the competition side that we discuss either, there's the broad casting work that we do together for the Shannon Speed Series on Channel 9 and Stan, plus a cool new project she and partner Daniel Gardner, a respected motoring journalist, are doing that is called The Mad Garage. Have a look for that later online. Technically, Ford had a win at the opening round of the supercars in Darwin, but it was only after the disqualification of the Red Bulls. So, Cam Waters' success was a little bit overshadowed by that and the focus or headlines on SVG's frustrations with the new car. Since then, the results have been dominated by Chev or Camaro, leading the Ford camp to talk like they were in a different class amid calls for a parity review and the rival side of the ledger basically saying that Ford and the Ford teams needed to do a better job. A review was triggered by the category after the hugely popular Darwin round and changes rushed in for Townsville. Now, the drought, as we say in the media, was broken on Sunday with Anton Di Pasquale becoming the first Ford driver to greet the chequered flag or officially cross the line first in 2023. It was a win to savour too after some serious electrical problems on the Saturday. Brilliant job there by the Dick Johnson racing team to get him back in the game. It's his ninth career win in supercars. Anton is still smiling. He is on the line. Congratulations and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me first time. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Oh, we're delighted to have you on. A few days after, uh, how much has that win, race 17 of the season, um, Townsville, what's it come to mean to you, to Ford, and especially for the team given the drought we've all been talking about? Yeah, it's awesome. Obviously, it hasn't been a great uh, start to the year for Shelby Power Racing Team and as well as Ford. So to tick that you know, first win off for, for both of those is, is amazing. Um, it's been such a hard fight. Um, we'll be going through you know, all the things, learning a new car, all the politics, all that stuff that um, we all know about. But, um, yeah, just to get that win is such a fitting feeling and experience and it was just an awesome race. It's, uh, Townsville is such a cool weekend and a cool racetrack um, back into the sort of the non-sprint format, um, saving tyres, bit of strategy, all that. It was, uh, it was, it was a cool arvo. Who have you heard from? The first thing I thought of, was there a message perhaps from Michigan and Mark Rushbrook from Ford Performance? Um, I've been getting messages from all over the place. There was a lot of people that weren't able to be at the racetrack, which was not ideal for them. Obviously, uh, Brett, the team owner, wasn't there. Ryan, obviously, story wasn't there. Um, my parents couldn't make it because my sister's expecting the baby. So a lot of people got to miss out on, wow. on a cool afternoon. So um, got on the phone to them straight away and uh, had a cool chat. But yeah, obviously 
when you you have a good day and win. Um, a lot of a lot of names pop up on the phone you haven't heard from for a while, and obviously all the regulars as well. So um, it's always a good feeling. Gee, it was a weekend of extremes for you, wasn't it? The the massive electrical issues you had on Saturday. Just give us um, and our listeners a sense of how big that job was for the team to to overcome on the Saturday night. Yeah, um, it's one of those things. Like I guess you you look like a mechanical failure, like your steering fails or the wheel falls off the thing, or you've had a crash. You can see what's wrong with the car, and it's obvious. But um, when it's electrical, there's so many elements that intertwine and connect, and you don't actually know where the issue is coming from. And it was one of those issues where we still have to analyze what it was. We changed pretty much most electrical things in the car just to eliminate it. And it did. Um, but there could be five, six, seven different things, which we still haven't, you know, it's, it's a hard one because it doesn't show itself. So, um, the guys changed everything, worked their asses off. Um, and at the same time, delivered a car that was faster the next day as well on top of that. So, uh, massive credit to them. They were relieved. Uh, they had a, not much sleep that night and um, that was that over the moon. It's cool. Great work. Small silver lining, I guess you could say. How much did having a bit of fresher rubber in the bank help you on Sunday in the final analysis? And I know there are many parts to what happened on Sunday, mate, but having that little bit extra, what, what, what was that worth to you, do you think? Um, I guess it was, it was one of those days where it, things aligned for us and um, you, you, you can't win one of these races – without car speed it's mm-hmm. you can have all the tires you want you can't win without car speed and um obviously the safety car as well and all the things but in terms of genuine speed i think we were still the fastest car on that day well you know the fastest in every stint but the last one um and even at the start everyone starts on good tires we chopped through and sort of made our way towards the front anyway so um it made our basically made our decision on what strategy to go really sure obviously we had an extra set so we could make the three stops work with good tires the whole way through but um i think in a in a pretty clean green race we still had enough pace to do it on two two stops and um a tire life and our late stint pace was still really good so um did it change the result i i like to think not mm-hmm. um did it make it easier yeah for sure okay. you know like it's 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 one of those things but i think um, yeah, looking at the stuff today in the debrief, we still had really good pace. Um, and that's ultimately what wins this, these races because there was a few other cars that had uh, tyres in hand as well and we didn't see them make their way to the front. You can't obviously share internal secrets. I wouldn't um, dare to ask you that, mate, from a – but what was a debrief today like given the success of Sunday and perhaps some of the positives that came out of it coming into, you know, we're off to Sydney Motorsport Park, bit of racing under lights in a couple of weeks' time. Are you enthused about your chances there from what you learned in in Townsville? Yeah, the debriefs, uh, they're always the same, I guess, good results or not. Obviously, debriefs this year, we've had a lot to go through and we've got a lot to learn still. So um, we spent a bit of time working out where the improvements came from. Um, we, we did do some stuff towards Sunday, which, you know, we never know exactly where the result, like, um, what's going to happen the next day. So we analyze that. Does that work the next time? It's motor racing. Who really knows? Mm. You know, everything changes so often. Um, but definitely for that type of track and what we're looking for, what we did was, was really good. So going to Sydney, uh, we've had a really fast car there for the last two years. Um, we've had awesome pace. So, but we don't have that car. We don't have those tools. So it, we're starting with a, an understanding of what we think can work mm-hmm. and we know it works here in the past, but that hasn't necessarily been true 
this year. So yeah, we'll find out. I guess we'll we use a bit of philosophy moving forward and hopefully it works again in Sydney and we go, okay, that's become more of our base. Um, but if it's no good, it's a it's a base for a street track only kind of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. You were joined at the press conference in Townsville there by DJR CEO David Noble. He's a former AFL coach, as many people listening will know. His first win, I think, with the team. The, the parody discussion aside, mate, he talked in the post-race chat there about the work, the change internally at the team. Can you give us an idea of, of that and how that has has made a difference? Yeah, it's cool for, for him to get his first win in motorsport land um it's not an easy thing you know you there's a lot of quick cars out there and races are hard and all that stuff so and it's not just him there's a few people new to our team which haven't been part of um our our wins and podiums in the past and a lot of guys on my car um it's their first time getting a trophy as well which is really cool so we're going to enjoy that together um but yeah there's it's hard work you know motor racing's hard we love it um if you if you're looking for something easy in life motorsport is definitely not for you mm-hmm. um so yeah he's he's had a really good you know um vibe in the team and working side by side with band and the ownership and everything um he's not trying to tell us how to engineer a car or how to drive the thing or anything like that it's more just giving the whole team and you know everyone from the ground up um, the fundamentals to go go racing and go racing well. And um, we're getting there. It takes time, um, but we have an awesome team and the culture has been good all year. You know, we haven't had results, but we're stuck together. Um, it's always better and you always enjoy, enjoy a beer after a win. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the vibe and everything has been good the whole way through. We'll take a quick break here. We've got a couple more minutes with Anton, and that is all coming your way right after this. Shell V Power Racing's Anton Di Pasquale is our special guest on this edition of the Motorsport Brief following his win in the Sunday race at Townsville last weekend. As we dive back into the convo, we'll weave in a couple of your questions here from socials too. Now, I think as you said in that uh, presser, it's not the kind of track Townsville to properly aero test the cars. Fans are asking though about that that feeling that the late parity change perhaps gave you. Um, can you can you incrementally describe how much different the car was? Perhaps how much better the car was from that? Not really. Mm. Like it's one of those things that you never. I, I mean, it's not big enough to go. Okay, the car is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless you really same track, same day, back to back it, same set of tires, that kind of thing, feeling the change is hard. So I wasn't a part of that process. I was overseas racing in the 24 hours. So I didn't get to see any of that unfold and just rolled into Townsville. Um, so I haven't, haven't felt that back to back, but going there, um, rolling out for first practice, I was facing similar issues to I had the round before. So, um, it's, it's hard to say. I don't think it's one of those tracks, like I've mentioned a few times, you know, the fastest corners, you know, third into fourth gear. So it's not that quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, my car felt really good on Sunday, but I think we just found ourselves in a really good window with the setup and getting into clean air early and things like that made the race pan out the way it was. Good stuff. I'm uh, I'm glad you brought up Spa for a moment. We've got a couple of questions from listeners, if you don't mind, too. Braden McKay asks, are there any other appearances that you've got perhaps lined up with the Groves this year? Um, will the schedule permit in the second half at all? 
Yeah, the, the schedule's hard. Obviously, those guys are doing some cool racing around the world and there's a couple coming up, which I know I can't do, um, which Earl will be in the car for. So um, there's a couple that clash, um, which are a shame. It'd be cool to be able to, if they just, none of them clash and you got to race, you know, every every few weeks. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a few lining up. Obviously, it depends what they want to do, you know, the races uh, that come up. But yeah, always, always got uh, my hand up in the air to do any kind of racing and especially when it's, you know, with some really good mates in really cool cars and some really cool tracks, you know, it's just awesome. You get to go overseas, places like Spa hmm. and, and race around. Um, but yeah, even, even locally, like the six hour and things like that, um, are just really cool things to get your hand on. We love racing. So it's cool to step away from the supercar stuff and um, go race other things as much as you can. One from Karina Andrews in New Zealand, whose uh, young son Regan is a bit of a an aspiring, um, uh, got a bit of aspiration cool. to follow into some broadcasting, if you will. He says, "Did you keep your strategy in Townsville there, or did you adapt it during the race?" I think we kept it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I obviously don't get to see too much of that. We, if on Saturday, you would have noticed I went for the three stopper as well, <laughs> which I did on Sunday as well. Um, but just didn't get to see the end and obviously get to see that race through. Um, but then we we just committed again to do it. Um, I think our tie life was a fair bit better on Sunday. So looking back, um, we probably could have been a bit more flexible to go to the two-stopper. We didn't expect to have the tie life that we had, mm-hmm. um, but the three-stopper worked. So, yeah, I, it seemed too great a plan, I guess. Um, we shortened up the last bit as much as we can for a bit of a safety car risk, and it was all good. Different strategies came into play up there, and it seems to have resonated with our our supporters of the sport. They seem to have enjoyed that. What do you think of the mix of sprint and refueling races over the season, and have we sort of got that balance right, or would you like to see more of those longer races in 2024 and beyond? I would like to see a few more refueling. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to my first year or two in the sport, we actually did – basically one of each most weekends um, back then. So we used to do like a sprint Saturday, fuel race Sunday, mm-hmm. which was quite a cool format. Um, obviously, I don't talk economics and I don't know the cash flows and all that stuff and how much it costs everybody. I just I just worry about the racing. But um, I quite enjoy, especially on the high deck tracks where you can play a bit of strategy into it um, and you have to extend some tyres or maybe even save some fuel. There's, I think there's a little bit more scope for that for us um but yeah some some places are good for the sprint obviously but i quite enjoy the it i mean when they're not endurance races they're not that long they're only 250ks so um they're kind of a hybrid of both but some fueling and some strategies always good because our sprint races don't have too much of that it's more basically timing to put some tires on Cool. Few to finish here. Um, one from uh, Lee Rasmussen who asks about your kind of preference for Gen Two versus Gen Three. That's probably a little tough, but given that you've had six months with the car now, what I guess I could ask uh, as an extension to that is what you're enjoying about this new era, this new chapter, a positive that you're finding in racing these cars. Yeah, I think um, this is probably like I think the racing potential seems to be really good with these cars. We're able to follow a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Um, the front tire hangs on a little bit better behind cars, which was becoming a real struggle with the previous cars. So we are seeing more passing, which was the whole objective. Obviously, you're talking Gen 2 to Gen 3. If I had to race, I'd probably wanted my Gen 2 car because it was quicker, <laughs> naturally. You yeah. know, that's that's just how they were. But 
these cars have gone backwards in terms of lap time, mm. but um, the performance is is pretty similar. We're just lacking a bit of grip. So, yeah, it's it's a hard one to compare the two, but the racing and if you're stuck at the back and you've got a fast car, you can come through. So um, qualifying is probably not as important as we've seen previously. Um, obviously, it's still important. You still want to be in the front out of all the trouble. But if you're in, you know, 8th, 10th and you've got a fast car, you can come through where it was a bit harder in the previous gen. You've been great with your time. Two to go. Quickly, it's not you new for you, I know, but working with Ludo Lacroix, what, what is the uh, secret sauce in your relationship and what have you kind of learnt about each other? What makes that work? I guess it's just a bit of trust of each other. Like you, you have that relationship and it's the whole way through the team. Um, but obviously the main point of call is your engineer, the other one talking in the race, uh, they're the one coaching you, they're the one doing the changes in the car and vice versa. We're driving the thing. So there's a lot of trust element in that. Um, even when you go into the race, you know, you're, they're talking you through the margins and what to do and what lap time to hit. And it might seem weird from the driver's seat that, you know, but they're seeing things that you're not and you have to trust them that they're going to get you home. So there's, it's basically just a trust game. Um, and, and we got on really well. We talk a lot of stuff away from racing, push bikes and all these different things. And anytime I go away racing some other cars, always, if always message him the night before, like, oh, I got a bit of oversteer or something. How do I fix this thing? And, and he always gives me some advice. Excellent. So it's good. Excellent. You spent some time in Europe chasing the open wheel dream when you were a little younger. You're still a young bloke now for me. Um, have you watched the British Grand Prix at the weekend and what did you make of Oscar Piastri's effort? Um, haven't, haven't really watched it yet. I only got home uh, late last night. We had to stay in Townsville um, this afternoon and into tonight's my veg on the couch. We need a <laughs> bit of chocolate session. So I'll be catching up on a little bit of racing, obviously watch our own race back and all the stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool to see the McLaren guys back towards the front. Um, and Oscar's doing an awesome job. We're all obviously barracking for him. We want Aussies to be winning the thing mm. and, and he's doing an awesome job and he's a good kid. Yep. You've earned those chocolates, mate. Enjoy that on the couch tonight. <laughs> Go get them for the rest of the year. That is that win, as Neil Crompton would say, is a bit of sugar and we hope there's more to come for you and for Dick Johnson Racing for the rest of the year. Congrats. Cool, man. Thanks. He is one of eight different winners this year in supercars, irrespective of which side of the divide you're on. That's a good thing. And the potential for that list to grow to perhaps a record-breaking number for the season is very real. Of the 25 drivers on the grid, 13 have already scored podiums this year. That's cool. Little shout-out to Brad Jones Racing and their man, Andre Heimgartner, who's enjoying his best season ever, having now chalked up five podiums for 2023. Incidentally, you can find Brad in our library. It's a good chat, that one. Some nice laughs. Will Brown has moved into the Supercar Series lead by seven points over teammate Brody Kostecki following the Townsville round. They have both been on the Motorsport Brief in recent months. Thank you, lads. Brock Feeney is third on the ladder, only 19 behind Brody, and Brock is going to come on the shortcast in the months ahead. Looking forward to that. The big story today is that Daniel Ricciardo is back in a race seat effective immediately after eight months on the sidelines. And this follows the shock decision overnight by Scuderia AlphaTauri and Red Bull to cut ties with Nick DeVries immediately. Dan will be in the car for the next round in Hungary in 10 days' time. How good. Now, there's a couple of aspects to stop and consider in this story. 
Firstly, to Nick. He came in highly rated after turning heads in an appearance for Williams last year, subbing for Alex Albon. He picked up points in Italy there too. The Dutchman is a Formula 2 or Formula E champion, but he just couldn't seem to make things work there at AlphaTauri. To be fair to him, the team is last in the Constructors' Championship currently. De Vries with no points when you look at the driver's standings, and his now former teammate, Yuki Sonoda, is 17th with just two points for the season so far. Nick's best result was 12th in Monaco, and all the talk, the pressure surrounding his future, well, that's been mounting for ages. Now, Dan did a Pirelli tyre test overnight in the current spec Red Bull. There's some positive commentary around that from people in the paddock and Dan's comparative performance in the simulator too. He seems to be doing a a good job there, so they say. He's been a constant in the paddock this season, but it's been hard to watch him at times, hasn't it? Kind of waiting in the wings. The reset appears to have done him good. He's had a little bit of fun, too, with the actor Will Arnett doing alternate commentary for the North American audiences recently. The Drive to Survive production team must be rubbing their hands together with this storyline and one of the most popular drivers in the field back behind the wheel. It is a brutal game, this one. Normally, upheaval like this takes place during the the summer break, but Nick is already gone and Dan is in. So what do we expect the car has had some upgrades. Ricardo appears reinvigorated and Alpha Tauri need points. He's a good pair of hands to help deliver that. He's returning to the team that he drove for when it was known as Toro Rosso back in 2012-2013. We have lots of Kiwis that listen to the pod and I note the headlines on that side of the ditch today are all that Liam Lawson has been overlooked for the drive. Should Red Bull and Alpha Tauri have continued that policy of promoting young talent and given him a shot? He's incredibly talented, arguably the hottest young prospect in single-seater racing globally at the moment, and he has enough super licence points. We understand here at the garage that Liam was in the air on the way to Japan to get ready for the legendary Super Formula race there at the Fuji track. Great track, that. And he's absolutely determined to win that title this year. He only learned the news when he touched down. That has to be disappointing, but... He is contracted to Red Bull beyond this year. Keep that in mind. He's regularly in the simulator with them and reportedly doing good things for Red Bull. If Dan's experience confirms that the 2023 AlphaTauri isn't a good car, you would have to think that not having the interruption of jumping out of the Japanese championship for Liam and then trying to make an impression in the 12 races in the F1 season that remain Maybe that's a good thing in the way that you play your career chess pieces, even though it might be a little hard to swallow right now. Finally, speaking of Kiwis, Tom Blomqvist, who was born in the UK but grew up in Auckland, will replace Simon Pagenaud for this weekend's IndyCar race in Toronto after Pagenaud couldn't get medical clearance after that massive practice crash at Mid-Ohio. Blomqvist continues to do a mega job in sports cars and is tipped to move into IndyCar in 2024. So that is quite the lineup if you kind of consider him a Kiwi with Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin and Marcus Armstrong on the grid there. That's it for this edition of the Motorsport Brief. Don't forget WRC in Estonia next week. And we're going to try and get the 19-year-old Aussie dirt bike rider Jet Lawrence on at some stage too. Thank you for all your messages regarding that while he continues to break records in the United States. It hasn't gone unnoticed by us here. I'm Greg Rust. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now.